0: a series that I did about five years ago called How Church Works. I think it was Adam who worked out that um, a third of the membership have arrived in the last five years, and so perhaps you didn't hear the series originally, and my guess is that uh, even if you did, you might not re- recall every single aspect of the talk. Uh, and so we thought it might be helpful to kind of renew this series at this important time point as a church. It might not seem a very exciting topic to you, but I think it's absolutely vital. Uh, We have in this city uh, various places that would call themselves Christian churches but they don't preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. Why is it that some churches preach the gospel and have a high view of scripture and others have a lower view of scripture and don't seem to quite get around to preaching the gospel. I want to suggest to you that the the vital difference is the lack of godly leadership that fulfills the pattern that we see in scripture itself. One of our books in the New Testament is a letter by the Apostle Paul to a guy called Titus, and he says, look, the reason I left you in Crete is that you would complete what was uh, unfinished, which was to make sure that there were elders appointed in every church uh, where a church had been established in the towns of Crete. And as you read the whole letter, you can see how crucial it is to secure the gospel in a region, to have godly elders with a grip on the truth. Because if you do not have elders who really believe the gospel, who sit under the word of God and shape the church by its teachings, then the church loses the gospel. It drifts away from it. And if you don't have elders who model a godly life, then the members of the church just don't know what a Christian life looks like, and they share equally the same confusion of the society around the church. So I just think this is absolutely a vital topic, and we're considering it particularly because um, every five years we go through a a process of re-evaluation of who should be elders and deacons. Uh, Some of our elders will be leaving to go to a church plant. Others have served 10 years and and are stepping back to have a breather. And so we are looking to the church to prayerfully uh, help us work out who should be elders for the next five years. And once we've done that process, we'll also be looking about who can serve as deacons over the next five years. So this is a big year 2020, hence this series. Also, I've noticed that over the years... um, there are very different views and opinions expressed uh, within the church at times over what is the role of members, what is the role of deacons, and what is the role of elders. And so what we're seeking to do in this series is, is try to be clear where the Bible is clear, uh, see where there are areas where we can uh, use wisdom and, and to determine what we do because it's not explicit in the Scriptures. And by having this teaching together, perhaps we can... Uh, reduce frustration uh, by being on the same page together as we come to understand this important area of church leadership. So let me just pray and ask God's help as we dig into this. Father, we want to thank you that um, you have written in your word about how we should conduct ourselves as a gathering of your people. And so we ask that you would teach us more than that, Lord, that you would spur us. To be able to recognize those who you've already uh, given to us as elders, as shepherds of this flock. We ask that you be glorified. We ask that you would keep us uh, centered on the gospel. Keep us humble under your word. We ask this in Christ's name. Amen. Well, I'm going to start with a fundamental question this morning. And it's this. Who should be in charge of the church? Who has authority in the church, and to get the answer to that, please open your Bibles to First Peter, chapter five, and you'll find this on page one thousand two hundred twenty in the church Bibles. Uh, one Peter chapter five. Let me just read that. <clears throat> to the elders among you, I appeal as a fellow elder. And a witness of Christ's sufferings, who also will share in the glory to be revealed. Be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care. Watching over them, not because you must, but because you are willing, as God wants you to be. Not pursuing dishonest gain, but eager to serve Not lording it over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that will never fade away. In the same way, you who are younger, submit yourselves to your elders. All of you, clothe yourselves with humility towards one another. Because God opposes the proud but shows favor to the humble. This is God's word. So who has authority over the church? Two crucial words in that section, and they are these, chief shepherd. See, we as Christians are described as God's flock, and there in verse 2, uh, the, uh, the apostle Peter commands the elders of the church to be shepherds of God's flock, but it's vital for us as elders and members to always recognize that elders are merely under shepherds. Jesus Christ is the chief shepherd, Jesus is the senior pastor of Charlotte Chapel. In a number of places in Scripture, it's, it's, uh, we're described, human beings are described as, as sheep that are going astray. Uh, turn back to uh, chapter 2 and verse 25 for you were like sheep going astray but now you have returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls why is there a Christian church it is because Jesus is the good shepherd the one who came and laid down his life for the sheep As it says in verse 24, He Himself bore our sins in His body on the cross. Uh, The Lord Jesus saw us in our rebellion and our sin, showed compassion upon us, came, uh, took on human flesh and and died for us on the cross, taking the punishment uh, that was due to us. And he, He rose again, he is now the one who gathers his redeemed people, his blood-poured people together. He is the, the, sh- the shepherd and overseer of our souls. So who should be in charge of the church? Well, quite simply, it's Jesus Christ. He is the rightful ruler. Uh, Colossians chapter 1, verse 18 puts it this way. He, meaning Christ, is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead. So that in everything, he might have the supremacy. Or in Ephesians chapter 5, in a section that deals with husbands and wives and thinks about uh, roles, it says this about Christ. Christ is the head of the church, his body, of which he is the savior. The church submits to Christ. It's quite clear, isn't it? Jesus is Lord over everything in creation, and he's Lord over the church. His blood-bought people. He's bought us at great cost. And he has the authority to rule over us and does rule over us. The question is this. How is the authority of Jesus exercised in a local church? Well, here's a little summary statement I've put together, and I want to try and then Uh, show you from the Bible uh, where I got it. And here's a little statement. Jesus rules by his word through elders who are qualified and spirit-called men. Jesus rules us by his word through elders who are qualified and spirit-called men. So let's just break that down. Let me show you different scriptures that kind of That led me to come up with that little statement. Firstly Jesus rules by his word. Now just think about the end of Matthew's gospel, the Great Commission. It says there in in Matthew 28 verse 18 and Jesus came to them and said all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. The resurrected one. Uh, He has all authority in heaven and on earth and he uses that authority to do this. He he sends them out. He gives them this instruction to the apostles that they should go and baptize people in the name of, of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit and teach people to obey everything commanded by Jesus. And so that's what the apostles did. They obeyed Jesus by going out into the world, preaching the gospel, People repent of their sins. People put their trust in Jesus. Uh, they got baptized. And you see, churches are, are not buildings. Uh, they are gatherings of baptized believers who gather together to be lifelong learners of Jesus. We gather as those who want to hear His uh, word and obey Him. That's what a local church is. It's a congregation of baptized believers who are about that. And so it's important to realize who rules us as a church. We're not ruled by the queen or the pope. We're not ruled by the general assembly or a synod of bishops. Not by traditions, not by uh, the agenda of this world, but by the Lord Jesus Christ who governs us by his word. So practically, what that means is that the Bible, the Word of God, must be absolutely central in our church life. And I hope that you see that that is the case in this church. Uh, The Word of God must be our supreme authority in our congregation, in our small groups, in our Sunday school, in our elders' meetings, in our corporate worship, Um, in our life as a church as we determine our practice, our goals, our agenda. We're not free to make up what we think the Christian life is like. We're not free to make up what we think church should be like to suit us. Uh, We need to be those who humbly sit under the word of God, the Bible. We're not free to change uh, what we do just to fit in with current fads and modern day sensibilities. I mean, the Christian church is has always been under colossal pressure to conform its life to the kind of the standards, standards and values of the world around it. Uh, which, of course, it would be a very confusing task because it's in constant flux. Uh, the Bible teaches that men and women uh, are created equally in the image of God and are given uh, complementary roles within family life and church life. And uh, so we understand from 1 Timothy chapter 2, which we're going to get to a little bit later, uh, when it says, I do not permit a woman to teach or to assume authority over a man. And then immediately goes into a section on the qualifications of elders, which clearly refers to them as men. Our understanding is that the office of eldership is one that is restricted to qualified men. Now, the cultural pressures of feminism... um, that basically wants to eradicate any sense of any differences between men and women, has shifted some churches to um, adopt women elders and pastors. And then the next wave has been the sort of the homosexual agenda, which has now caused some denominations to accept uh, same-sex relationships uh, as holy and good and acceptable uh, amongst members and elders and ministers. And now we've got another wave of a radical redefinition of understanding of gender, something separated from biological sex. And I think that's going to, we're going to feel the challenges of that as well. Now, God's word uh, calls on us to to recognize the dignity and the value of every single person that we meet and it calls us to be really compassionate and kind with the various struggles that people uh, face and experience in a spiritually broken world and this really should be one of the most loving and welcoming and accepting places in Edinburgh but our agenda for sexual ethics, uh, our ordering of our church life is not to uh, to be a confirmation, or conforming to what our culture, where our culture currently sits and its values. But to be faithful to the Lord Jesus Christ, our Savior, and to submit to his word as our final authority. Uh, the one who, basically, whenever he was confronted with a challenge, he says, well, what does the Bible say? He, oh, it is written. The Lord Jesus teaches us that we need to submit under the final authority of scripture even when that puts us out of line with current uh, accepted norms around us and so the bible says uh, that the christian church is to be jesus ruled by his word next statement uh, by his word through elders look back with me at first uh, peter chapter 5 here's uh, peter the Apostle Peter, but he doesn't actually uh, refer to himself as an Apostle here, he refers to himself as an elder. To the elders among you, I appeal as a fellow elder, a witness of Christ's sufferings, and one who who also will share in the glory to be revealed. Be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care, watching over them. Do you see that the authority of King Jesus, uh, he delegates authority to some men to care for God's flock. Uh, Men who will do that by teaching God's word and by their lives being an example of that teaching. We're going to think about the teaching aspect in a moment, but as we're in 1 Peter chapter 5, it seems to be about their example. I mean, let's note, how is this authority exercised? Look at 1 Peter chapter 5 verse 2. Be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care, serving as overseers, not because you must, but because you're willing, as God wants you to be. Not greedy for money, but eager to serve. Not lording it over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. The nature of Christian leadership is not about domineering others, it's about an eagerness to serve. It's about patient, loving example. But notice that elders are given authority to manage and oversee the life of a congregation. As you read the New Testament, uh, you'll come up with these different terms that actually, at the end of the day, all refer essentially to the same office. You've got the term elder, which really comes out of the Jewish uh, understanding of a man who's respected within his community. And then you've got the word overseer, which uh, some of the older Bible translations used to uh, translate as bishop. And, uh, but that is the same word relating to elders. And uh, it comes from the Greek background. It, it has the meaning of one who has stewardship over resources and people. It has the idea of managing and management. And then you've got the word shepherds, from which we get the word pastors. So pastors, bishops, elders. It's different ways of referring essentially to the same office of, of leadership in the church. A little side note about the word pastors and shepherds. I I think um, because we're city slickers, uh, we tend to have a very soppy view about shepherds and sheep. And so we develop some very strange ideas of what pastors should be because we think that shepherds spend all their time going around hugging individual sheep. Do you think they do that? There, 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 there. No, they don't do that. Uh, it's interesting to remember that if we're going to take this imagery from the Bible, that Moses is described as the shepherd of God's people, in Isaiah 63. Well, he was leading hundreds of thousands, if not millions, of people. Um, do you think he was a, a pastor that went round to every tent and went to see everybody? and uh, No, I don't think so. Uh, we heard in our Bible reading from Exodus chapter 18 that Mark read earlier that the, the only way he could be a shepherd of uh, such a massive congregation that was before him was by following the wisdom of his, of his father-in-law, Jethro, who saw what he was doing and saying, look, you're going to wear yourself out, you're going to wear the people out. No, you need to delegate responsibility to capable men who will be able to care over thousands and hundreds and fifties. And, and and tens. And uh, that's why we, uh, we think small groups are really important at Charlotte Chapel. If you really want to be well cared for as a church, be involved in a small group in some way. And next Sunday, there's a small group leaders conference and uh, I hope every small group leader will be at that. And uh, if, you, if you're thinking about being a small group leader, uh, sign up for being on that. It'll be a great time of teaching and instruction. They've got a great program as we think about this important area of disciple making that is a crucial part of what we're about as a church. But it's useful to remember that, you know, um, we tend to call pastors the guys who are paid to teach the Bible. But do you know what? There's no difference in authority between the paid pastor and the non-paid elder. Uh, These are equal uh, spiritual leadership roles within a congregation. Jesus rules by his word through elders who are qualified. Now let me just take you to 1 Timothy uh, chapter 3. You'll find this on page 1192 as we look at some of the qualifications expected of elders. 1 Timothy chapter 3, page 1192. Here is a trustworthy saying. If anyone sets his heart on being an overseer, he describes a noble task. Now the overseer must be above reproach, the husband of but one wife, temperate, Self controlled, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not given to drunkenness, not violent but gentle, not quarrelsome, not a lover of money. He must manage his own family well and see that his children obey him with proper respect. If anyone does not know how to manage his own family, how can he take care of God's church? He must not be a recent convert or he may become conceited and fall under the same judgment as the devil. He must also have a good reputation with outsiders so that he will not fall into disgrace and into the devil's trap. Notice what's not on the list. I don't know if you ever watch um, The Apprentice and uh, these guys thrusting for leadership in the business community. They're a scary bunch, aren't they? Uh, We're looking for pushy, uh, hyperbolic, uh, loudmouths. Well... There's none of that in this list, is there? It's actually a pretty ordinary list. Uh, It doesn't mention about how wealthy you are. It's not about um, how intellectually gifted you are. It's not about whether you've gone to the right schools or or, or things like that. In fact, you know what? Most of these characteristics are character issues, aren't they? And you know what? They're expected of... Every Christian. It's not as if, okay, we want elders who are not given to drunkenness, but the members can get as bloated as they want. Uh, that, that, you know, the point is that the level uh, of, of um, character of leaders actually is expected of all Christians. But it's especially something you want to see in your leaders. They, they should model that because we've seen the importance of example. There is kind of one... Um, Character, uh, one issue that is not a character trait and an area of competence, and it is this thing, able to teach. And you can see how uh, critical that must be as we see that Jesus rules through his word. Uh, the, the nature of Christian leadership is exercised through teaching God's word, uh, really If I start teaching you something that's not in God's word, pay no attention to me. Just because I'm an elder in this church. It doesn't confer upon me any special authority. It is to the degree to which I'm faithful in preaching and teaching God's word. That you are called to uh, understand and submit and obey to God's word together. But the qualifications are about proven character and this competence able to teach. By the way, we're not looking for men who can teach and preach to hundreds of people. Um, Not many people can do that. I'm not sure I can do it. But nevertheless, I keep getting up and giving it a go. But we're looking for men who are able to teach the Word of God one-to-one, who can teach in small groups, who who know what the truth of God's Word is, uh, know how to teach it to others, Know when they hear error, know how to correct it and refute it and get people on the right track. That's the qualification that we're looking for able to teach. And I think Paul's great concern as he uh, looks at this list, it's interesting, uh, I think this is a list that's not um, a total exhaustive list. For instance, it doesn't talk about does he pray and does he read the Bible. Uh, I think those are pretty important things you want to find out about your potential elders. But, I think this is a list because his concern is that the the world, uh, the community around the church, he wants them to be able to look at the church and see the lives of its leaders and say, oh yes, there's something incredible about what's going on with that community of people. Their lives are changed. They're different. There's something attractive about that. And so actually this is a, a characteristic that's not to kind of... We don't want people to look at the church and say, my goodness, these are terrible people. I don't want anything to do with the Bible. Uh, You know, this person who's an elder, he's not safe in the work. The girls don't feel safe around him. And when you go away for the Christmas night, he's terrible. Just gets out of his head. Well, that's not who you want as an elder, is it? So that's what the qualifications are. Jesus rules by his word through elders who are qualified and spirit-called men. In Acts chapter 20, uh, the, uh, the Apostle Paul calls the Ephesian elders to himself. It's their last meeting together. It's quite an extraordinary chapter. And as he uh, talks to them, he warns them about the dangers of false teachers who will come up even amongst the elders themselves. And, uh, but he says to them, verse 28, Keep watch over yourselves, and all the flock... Of which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Be shepherds of the church of God, which He bought with His own blood. Here's the great preciousness of the people of God, bought with the very blood of God. But notice who makes overseers, who makes elders. It's not done uh, by virtue of simply a vote by members. It says that elders are appointed by the Holy Spirit. Our role as elders and members is to identify within our congregation those who are already functioning as pastors, as elders, as overseers in our fellowship. Uh, that's what the nomination process is about. Uh, we've written to the members. You've got a list of kind of any any bloke who's a full member on that list in our congregation. And we're asking you to prayerfully look at that list and write down and nominate those that you see uh, are qualified as elders, who are functioning as elders already within the life of our church. You see that they're able to, they've, they've got an instinct when they're talking with people to open up the word of God with them, to show them something from the Bible, to pray with them, to encourage them. These are the sort of people that you should be nominating as potential elders. And we as elders will look at that list and we'll approach people and see who's willing to stand. And uh, we will finally come back to you with a list of, uh, of names, which we will then ask for you to, again, to uh, endorse with a vote. to so, Say, yes, we recognize these people as elders and they'll serve as elders over the next uh, five years. And so please, would you pray about this process It's a very significant uh, stage. Pray that we will continue to see qualified elders, shepherds, overseers in our congregation. Finally, what is it you should expect elders to do in a church? Well, please open, uh, turn to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4, page 1175 in the church Bibles. Ephesians chapter 4. The context is that Paul has been teaching about the church as God's great uh, design to display his glory as people from all the nations come to faith in Jesus Christ, submit to his rule, and gather together. Um, Where do people in Edinburgh go to see God? Well, you can't see God. He's spirit. But actually, you can come to biblical churches and see the glory of God As a a gathering of people, gather together and submit to Christ and live out their life together. This makes visible to this community, our Lord Jesus Christ, as as Adam said earlier. This makes visible to the community, God himself. And in chapter 4, he urges the the church in Ephesus to work hard at maintaining this fundamental unity that we have in Jesus Christ. Look at verse 3. And this unity and growing maturity of the church comes through being equipped by men, gifted by Christ. Look at verse um, 11. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. See, elders, pastors are the gift of Christ to his church. Uh, Apostles and prophets were foundational. They've done their work. We've got the the, the Bible in front of us, we've got the New Testament, but we have today still the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers. And what's their job? What's the job of pastors, elders? Well, they are to teach. They are to equip all of the members to engage in different activities that help the church to grow in Christian unity and maturity and likeness to Jesus Christ. Elders and pastors prepare God's people to be engaged in this growing word ministry that develops a growing, loving church. Look at verse 15. This is to the whole church. Uh, Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will in all things grow up into him who is the head, that is Christ, and from him the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament Grows and builds itself in love as each part does its work. What a beautiful picture this is of church life, isn't it? Uh, here is a church, a place where people love each other, where they speak the truth of God's word to each other in such a way that we are all built up in unity and maturity into the very headship of Christ, submitting to his rule. What a beautiful picture. Someone who uh, attended has been attending our church. Once said to me, "The reason that people are really, I'm really interested in this church is when I come, I experience so much love here. It's just so beautiful, Christianity. Like I want to find out what it is. Well, what a great testimony! That is what church is to be. What a privilege!" And elders' role is to spiritually care for the church with this primary focus that we are seeking to uh, see a growing maturity and unity in truth and love as we teach God's word, equip the whole body, so that we all engage in this mutual ministry together. Now, I was told a few years ago... um, uh, that if I was a proper pastor, I should personally visit every member twice a year. Well, I, I, you know, I shudder under the weight of that expectation. Uh, That would fill my diary with with 1,240 appointments every year before I do anything else. Uh, It's not realistic. It's not healthy for me or for you. But we see here in Ephesians chapter 4 that the pastors and the elders are not the ones that are supposed to do all the work of care within the church. In fact, it's the responsibility of the whole membership to engage in this mutual ministry. And the elders are there to equip the saints and ensure that the discipling maturity is happening in our church. To help, me, help people make progress in their faith through the ministry of the words. Uh, So that discipleship is taking place. And this is what the elders are currently overseeing. We oversee ministries that help uh, us grow as healthy disciples. We've defined that in four words. uh, That would help us to love God and love people. Grow in prayer and obedience to God's word. To serve Christ in his church and in his world. And to go and make disciples who love, grow, serve and go. So show me a church that is led by godly elders who submit themselves unto God's word, who courageously lead God's people by teaching the scriptures and equipping the saints. And I tell you, there will be a healthy, united, growing, maturing church that glorifies God. And so when we experience leadership from such men, we should be thankful to our Lord Jesus because they're gifts of the Lord Jesus. And I'm so thankful for the eldership team that we've known over the past years, uh, the past five years. They have modeled humility, godliness, wisdom. They've sacrificially given of their time. And so please pray for them. Thank God for them. Honor them. And please would you pray that we would continue to have qualified spirit-called men to lead Uh, us as a congregation in the next five years. That we continue to be a healthy church, is not automatic because we're Charlotte Chapel. It's not the label. It's about having the right, qualified men. And that will help the church to be healthy, to keep the gospel at the center, keep reaching out for what God's called us to do. So how does church work? Well, Jesus rules, elders lead, And next week, we're going to think about the role of deacons, and the week after that, the role that we all have as members. Let's pray.